0: Cool. (laughs) Yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC.
2: All right. Sam Shansky here with Diddy TV today. I've got Freddie and Francine in the house. How's it going?
1: Great.
3: Very good so far today. Well, let's see if we can
2: uh, keep that vibe going. So let's start with your album, Gung Ho. Tell me a little bit about how that came to be, uh, who you worked with on that album, and uh, you know the background on that.
1: Well, we um, that was our first record in a long time because we had parted ways for some some years, three years, and so it was kind of our comeback record, and we chose a really great producer named Todd Sikafoos, okay. who's worked with Anais Mitchell and Ani DeFranco. He tours with Ani as her bass player. And uh, it was really fun. We did it in... Eugene, Oregon, at a studio called Gung Ho Studios. Okay. And we kind of formed a band the day before the record uh, with Lee playing guitar, and we rehearsed the songs for maybe six hours (laughs) and then recorded most of the record live. It was pretty awesome.
3: Recorded live. Yeah.
1: We did a lot of it live. Minimal overdubbing, if I remember correctly. Um,
3: Yeah, we've made our last three or four records totally live. I think it's kind of the the best way for us because we perform live all the time. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, so Ted Poor, who's now the Prairie Home Companion drummer and plays with Andrew Bird a lot, uh, Mm -hmm. he was on the record, and he just made the thing amazing. Rob Berger played Keys on that record, and Rob is with um, Ryan Adams a lot, and has played with Lucinda Williams and Rufus Wainwright, and it was amazing. I mean, we write good tunes, I believe, but they made them better. (laughs) That's (laughs) legit. was gung-ho
2: a good place for the live cut kind of method?
1: Yeah. I, it was a really vibey studio. It was mm-hmm. not – it's the kind of studio I'd like to record in. I don't like mm-hmm. clean – I yeah. like there to be tchotchkes mm-hmm. strewn about. Yeah. museum um, asked. museum ass dust. Lots of dust. Yeah is always helpful for the vibes. Uh, it was a really cool spot. It was in, kind of out in the country in Eugene. And it's always nice, because we live in LA, to get out of LA to record, because you could just find so much more inspiration. It's relaxing. Um, but yeah, it felt like the right place to do the record, for sure.
2: Mm-hmm. How would you describe your chemistry as songwriters?
1: Hmm.
2: And performers?
1: Well, <laughs> I mean, that's a really interesting question. How would I describe it? You know, there is like this push and pull kind of alpha thing that like we kind of go back and forth with cuz I like to be in charge and I feel like you like to and be And I in love
3: charge. to be passive. <laughs> <laughs> so it's perfect.
1: Well, I think often I'm a I'm a Virgo. So um I like I don't know. I like taking charge, and I like being like, all right, I'm I'm, I'm going to be the leader now. I'm going to mm-hmm. kind of lead this. And I think you're also like that because he's an Eagle Scout <laughs> okay. born leader, wow. this guy.
3: You're either a Virgo or Eagle Scout yeah, in this world. Yeah, exactly. Same. That's the <laughs> polarity we switch from all the but time. But it's
1: true. You're a great leader, and I also like to lead. So I will often initiate things because I like to plan. And so I'll have an idea, and mm-hmm. I'll, you know, Kind of be like, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? And he's like, all right, all right. And then by the end of it, we're both very into it. I think that happens a lot because I get excited. And then the same is true for you.
3: Well, I would say less. I mean, I'm not entirely passive. That's not the right way to say it. I do think one of my favorite methods for writing is just sitting down and coming up with something on the spot. Mm -hmm. And one of Bianca's main things is she goes in the shower and an idea hits. Shower. And then she hits me up and says hey, I have this great hook or something because you're not thinking in the shower. You're just cleaning.
1: I just come up with <laughs> just pop hits in the shower. I yeah. don't know what it is about the shower. I always I come up with just, I mean, top 10 billboard hits. No, I'm kidding. But I do come up with ideas often in the shower.
2: I think that's a very normal thing. I think that a lot of people get a lot of inspiration in the shower. You know, it's what one of those why strange.
3: Why is that? Because well, your mind, your brain turns off. I mean, you're not there to think. Yeah, you know what's going It's on. one of the
2: few parts of the day, too, where maybe your eyes are closed, but you're awake, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you're you're actually, like, you know, got the shampoo going, but
3: you don't <laughs> want to get it in your eyes. Well, it's the <laughs> first time of the day, too, so your brain is not entirely with it yet. Yeah. So I think that's a good subconscious place to start from. A lot
2: of creativity comes in the morning time, so I think there's a combination of things there. It's ritualistic, too, which mm-hmm. brings out a certain kind of thing in the mind that's... Yeah. You're not going to get other times, so I'm with you there. That's the shower uh it's a good place for inspiration <laughs> so you guys have been called americana soul uh, what does that mean you know what do you what do you mean by that <sighs> yeah Where's this that is the from?
1: conversation that we often have um we're influenced by so many genres and i think americana feels like a good umbrella mm-hmm. that covers a lot of things but we love we love motown we love soul we love funk we love jazz I'm from Austin, Texas, so I love country music. You're from Austin. I'm from Austin.
2: A lot of, Not a lot of people can claim that.
1: Really? Yeah, well, Seems. it is cool. Every time I say it, I feel like people are like, really? Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I was there for 10 years, so it feels it was a big part of my life and lots of good music, yeah. obviously. But I think that, you know, we emphasize we, we're big singers. Mm-hmm. We like to sing with our full bodies and just, like, go for it and sing soulfully and and bluesy, but we also love – you know, like a classic song. I we mm. love like Jackson Brown and um, you know Jackson Brown. I don't know. That was the first Bob one Dylan, that popped in your head. Bob I love Dylan it. and Joni Mitchell and all these <laughs> songwriters that are more like yeah. folk songwriters. Yeah, um, so we love all of that. Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, and so it's kind of like the fusion because I grew up listening to a lot of, in addition to country music, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey. Yeah, um, big vocals. Big vi- vocals would sit in my room and just like figure out riffs and like how yeah. to do all that stuff, and then he was doing... Well, I mean, I kind
3: of did a just a very... I always feel like it's pretty cliche, but, I mean, I just sat with B.B. King records, and I wanted to learn how to play over 12-bar blues and do things that were... I mean, I'm from L.A., and there yeah. weren't a whole lot of us doing that. I was surfing and doing that, so, you know, that's what white dudes from L.A. did. Yeah. N- but, I mean, but not so much going and playing along with records and then i was super into dylan and super into lyric driven stuff and then later the stones and really riff uh rhythm heavy stuff Mm um and so as a as a duo where i'm out of necessity you know i create a lot of parts uh guitar wise that are not just simply supporting the vocal it's about driving rhythm forward and and being extremely dynamic and sort of thinking as a band through one instrument which i think i think you know soul singers and art some of our favorite you know Otis Redding Wilson Pickett if you watch those guys James Brown it's an they're there to entertain and put on a show. Yeah, big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that is something that is at the center of what we love to do mm-hmm. is perform versus just get up there and give you a great song. Mm-hmm. And so we play and move everything with our full bodies. And singing big is about singing with your whole body. Mm-hmm. You can't get that sound out just standing there. So.
2: And you both have backgrounds in live theater and musicals, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. You think yeah. that plays a big part in where you're coming from musically, as yeah. a band? Yeah,
1: we're also classically trained, so mm-hmm. that was, I think, we wouldn't be able to do what we do without classical training first, mm-hmm. and sustain
2: in in uh, singing yeah, vocals. Singing. Okay.
1: So classical training, operatic studies, mm-hmm. both of us have that, and I think being a touring musician. Uh, you have to know how to use your instrument consistently because you're using it every single night and you don't want to lose it. So that's first, and then we also have theater backgrounds and have done musicals
2: mm-hmm.
1: a lot. And we have we have big voices, we know how to project. Yeah. And uh, I think all of that influences our music. It's not, we're animated. We love putting on a show, we like performing, and I think the Americana soul, to go back to the question you asked before, it does feel like it it kind of covers everything, you know, that we want to put out there. Mm-hmm. And it's.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Genres are impossible to live up to. Yeah. Well, that's a pretty broad one you've got
2: going there. It's so I think that you guys are able to move pretty fluidly within yeah. that and still call it, you know, Americana mm-hmm. Soul and it works for it, mm-hmm. even if it's, you know, a full band or just you two and a guitar or just yeah. vocals or whatever it is, you know what I mean? You're delivering that kind of sound so that works for it where is your ideal performance setting these days is it a you know a listening room or a coffee house or on a festival stage
3: well I mean as of right now you know whoever hires us is pretty ideal (laughs) no I I mean we're pretty busy thank god we're very grateful uh and we tour a lot we're kind of still in a spot where it's everything We're not doing coffee houses and really small clubs anymore. We do, we love doing, um, house concerts, you know, that are really well attended because, because there's a lot of series that we get to do around the country that people have established over a long period of time and they just hear what we're doing. Mm -hmm. But then like we played Telluride bluegrass festival this year and it's 10,000 people and it's outside. It's only two of us. and, I don't know if there's an ideal one because they all feel really good in their own way. You just have to adjust. Well, that's good. Yeah.
1: I I think I have an ideal one. (laughs) Well, we played this summer at this really great festival called Four Corners Folk Fest. And it was about 3,000 people. And there was a tent. So it was covering everyone. And it felt intimate, even Mm -hmm. though it was big. And that was one of my favorite performances because I do think what we do, I want uh, an attentive audience. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily want, like, party because we're not a band. So it's a duo and we have stories and we have a live show that we put on. So it was one of the best feelings as a performer because everyone was there, people were listening and then there were people on the outskirts dancing and Mm -hmm. having a good time. But the majority of the people were there to watch us. And I think that for me is my ideal. So you can connect. Yeah, you can connect with the audience and you don't feel like you're just yelling out into a sea of people and no one's listening.
3: Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah, I was just gonna say, I think that we are a good festival Mm -hmm. group. Um, just based on the fact that people have asked us to do these bigger shows, bigger festivals outdoors. And I think because of our performance and that's driven by our animation and Mm -hmm. our personalities, that fits even though it's just two people, it's big. And we try to put out as much energy and sound as possible. Uh, At first I was pretty intimidated by it because I really am the only one playing an instrument. (laughs) What kind of guitar do you use? Um, well, for a long time I was playing an Eastman Dreadnought, but now I'm playing this really cool, small bodied Collings guitar out of Austin and they it's a guitar I've always wanted mm-hmm. and I am very grateful to have it because it's probably the best thing I've ever played. And it's great because it's not that old and I get to put all the dings in it myself. Yeah. <laughs> all you have to do is tour for like two months and the guitar just starts to get worn in a great way. So yeah, very cool.
2: See, I thought you guys were going to say like sports pubs with like a bunch of TVs would be our ideal kind uh, of place to play. And I
1: love performing with a football game <laughs> in the background. It's my favorite.
2: <laughs> so you have stage names. Your real names are? Bianca. And, and Lee. For all of the viewers out there who might not have known that. <laughs> you have stage names. And I was wondering if that, I know mm-hmm. there's a story behind it, right? But I was wondering if that ability to, to rock that, comes from your background in theater and knowing, you know, playing that part, playing a character out in the world?
1: Well, technically it's not our stage names. Okay. It's a band name. That's right. So Freddie and Francine is a sound that 10 years ago when we came up with the name, Bianca and Lee didn't feel fitting because it was something bigger than us. Sure. That we kind of, that we felt as writing together, we wanted something else to label our sound. I got you. So that's kind of how it was born. And the, the story goes... The reason we called it Freddie and Francine was 10 years ago, we started writing music together. We wrote our first song together, and we called the genre of the song 1950s prom rock. Okay. Very successful genre of music. That's huge. Uh, Huge. And um, so we performed the song for the first time at a uh, Jewish-Chinese restaurant called Genghis Cohen. Very fun fact.
2: I need to go
3: there.
1: Great orange chicken.
3: Okay. Amazing. It has a little church pews in the back it's for this. Really menu. cute. All kosher. It's awesome. All kosher. It's a kosher. It's, it's great. right in like the Orthodox Jewish part of LA on Fairfax Avenue and Boulevard. And it's great. that's real a great legit place. Yeah. Anyway, okay. we had
1: our first show, not as Freddie and Francine, just it was his solo show and he asked me to come on stage to perform this one song and we performed it and we said, Okay everyone, grab a partner, get out on the dance floor and come up with a really cheesy fifties name. And he said, I'll be Freddie. And I said, I'll be Francine. And by the end of the song, everyone was screaming Freddie and Francine. And at that time, we kind of knew we wanted to start something. And it just felt like the right fit for that period of time. This was 10 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. It was organic. It was.
3: Yeah. But... It's. I don't look at it as a stage name at all. I definitely just look at it as a band name that happens to be people's names. That mm-hmm. is very confusing for people <laughs> in a way I never expected. No, I think they get it. But yeah. names are really funny. I mean, always. Yeah, there's a the lot. The Beatles to it. is probably the worst pun of all time. <laughs> yeah, and it. You don't think of the name ever. Right. The more you see it, it's just kind of
2: like yeah. you look past it, or you, you hear know.
1: the music. Like yeah. you don't. It's. You see the name, and it's like their legend the legend of their music and their sound, that's what I hear when I see it. And that's what it is for us. There's something joyful, there's animation, there's Americana, there's soul, all these things. I want people to see that name and think of just people who love to sing loud and soulfully. Mm -hmm. That's what I want. Well done. Thanks.
2: (laughs) So you uh, worked on the show Million Dollar Quartet, correct? I did. What was it like to audition and to land a role
3: on that? Well, I or mean, did for, you audition? first things first, like I had a lot shorter hair that was required. Um, I was really, and I was clean shaven. I was not really in a place where I was expecting to play music. We were not playing at the time. We were doing different things. And I, a friend of mine saw that show in New York and said, hey, man, you should audition for this. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, the Broadway folks are probably way better at that than I am. But then I watched some video, and I thought, oh, it's pretty legit. Like, Mm. everybody's playing and singing, and you kind of have to kill it. And I had always been a fan of early rock and roll and mostly, like, the African-American musicians who influenced them the Sun Records stuff. Sure. And they asked you know, I got cast to play Carl after I auditioned and then I had a call back and then I got the job the next day and it changed my life sort of overnight and it was incredible I, mean, I was saying last night to somebody about it that it really taught me how to be a professional i mean i learned i did 500 performances i learned that in any state any fatigue level whatever i can i can put on a good show mm-hmm. and what it means to be an entertainer and uh it's, it's a, an experience in my life that I'll, I'll always cherish because I kind of grew up in my mind is like, this is who I am. I'm going to be a professional musician. And it taught me, too, that doing someone else's music every single night, uh, whether it's my favorite music or not, you know, I still had a huge desire to do my own music. So I'm grateful to be touring, you know, at our level anytime. Whatever the the gig is, because it's our music. Yeah, and it's my voice and our voice. So, did you perform in Memphis? Yeah, we did. We did uh, a week. The first national tour that I did, we did a week at the Orpheum. You did. Did you think at that time that the responses were any different than
2: the rest of the country? Yeah, there was the history being. Well, there was a lot of
3: pressure, sort of, and buzz around us getting here, Mm -hmm. and. You know, we were all extra nervous and also extra interested in doing an extremely good job. You know, we played with Carl Perkins' son, Stan, the night, you know, opening night, like, afterward. And personally, I was pretty nervous about it. Mm -hmm. And I just, you know, the bottom line was I just wanted to be respectful and reverent to this stuff. Sure. It was never, I was never living the rockabilly lifestyle and trying to be some sort of... um, you know, revivalist guy or something like that, Mm -hmm. traditionalist, but I just wanted to make sure that whatever I did was respectful and it was an incredible experience. I mean, some of Elvis's best friends were in the front row Mm -hmm. and women who dated him that no one ever knew about had pictures of him in their, like, in their room growing up when they were 16 and they were showing us these pictures Mm -hmm. and it was a trip, but also the Orpheum is an incredible theater this is just, just up the street from here actually just, yeah just right down
2: the way it's really cool I'm, I'm reading johnny cash's autobiography right now and he talks a lot about carl perkins in that book and about their substance uses and uh you know issues over the years which was a lot bigger than i realized uh before reading it but he he shared an experience of being with carl perkins uh, i believe it was like out on the beach one yeah. night and Carl had this breakthrough moment of where he was basically going clean and was like, I'm not going to drink anymore. And he gave it up to God and that kind of thing. And and, uh, in reading about you guys, I saw some notes about sobriety and I was wondering how that was going for you guys and and, uh, what role that's playing in your relationship now as a band
3: and everything. It's a a great question. Uh, You know, I'll be quite frank, during my experience as... Carl, as playing Carl. I mean, I, uh, I was living very much. So the life that they were living, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, we all were, it was a lot of fun and there was a lot of partying and there's a lot of people just being really open with their hospitality and their money and just, you know, and it was different for me, but I had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I know that story about when he quit. He mm. was a huge Southern Comfort drinker, which is disgusting. But <laughs> uh, I mean, just and then like going through bottles of of just like really cheap whiskey and stuff like that. But I I've been sober about four and a half years now since that experience. Um, and there's just a, an incredible clarity to to having more of a you know, like a service-centered uh, approach to being a musician, meaning that I don't, expect, I don't really consider myself the most special person in the world and I'm not going to change the world with our music, uh, but I am trying to just do my small part in being of service to people who really love music and it brings joy to them mm-hmm. and try and get out of the way with my own ego to the best of my ability and just sort of, this is something I learned how to do. Mm-hmm. I've done it a lot. And I have certain gifts that I hopefully can make people enjoy their evening with. Uh, I didn't think that way before. I used to be very much about me, how I could get more, how I could be, um, you know, my insecurities could be fed. And we are able to, you know, I think Bianca has like a beer every, you know, six months or something. And she goes, oh, God, I'm hungover. I
1: I don't drink because I don't like the way it makes me feel and I take my profession very seriously Mm -hmm. and I think that if I'm doing my job on tour I should do my job and if I want to have a drink I'll do it after but I don't drink on tours ever Mm -hmm. Um, and I I just don't and I think it it helps to have your touring partner not drinking because it really makes you focus on your job and that you want to do a good job and you want to be a professional and if I have one drink I just I don't feel the same so it's it's very important to me, and it also I don't know how people do it. Mm-hmm. It's already the hardest life to tour around the country and wake up early and drive and drive. I just can't imagine how drinking would make it any better. Then it's a lot it, be it's easier so great. to
3: drink heavily when on tour when other people are driving yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I can
1: imagine, <laughs> but for us, it's like it's you and me, so
3: you gotta wake up and be ready yeah you to go. gotta
1: wake up and you gotta be ready, and you know I just i don't know i I did my time,
3: yeah, yeah, I'm a lot easier to get along with. I'm not as grumpy and yeah. angry and wondering when I can just sneak away to get more booze, yeah, <laughs> yeah, well cool, yeah, and bianca, you worked in t v on
2: at a b c is that right?
1: I did. Well, I, um, developed a TV show just last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a musical television show and, uh, it's, it's, it's now in the ethers of the uh, pilot graveyard that every network has, but it was an amazing experience. And, uh, they, they chose our pilot uh, or they chose our idea to make a pilot with, and we developed it along with ABC for about nine ten months. Yeah. And it was fascinating. Um, and I'm I'm grateful for the experience, but uh, it's it's a it's not a world I necessarily want to be in. Not for I, you. No, it's not for me. Uh, I prefer being a musician and touring and doing this because I think it's much more creatively fulfilling. And there's a there's a lot of people who who uh, get in the way of your tons. Yeah, it, it's everyone's opinion, and and they and they have to cater towards a certain market. I mean, I, yeah, I'd imagine like it's what working for a, or being with a big record label would would feel like
2: very much so yeah Yeah.
1: so it's it's a lot of like oh, we need this type of song or we need this yeah it's, it's not
2: that's good but what exactly if we, exactly yeah. it's
1: a lot of that and yeah. it's like you know what our what our network really needs is abc it's like well this is what i have and mm. this is the thing that you bought so it was really uh it 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 taught me to go with my gut and to my my first thought is usually the best thought And to try to change what you do to make someone else happy doesn't ever go well.
2: Sure. I'm hearing that a lot across the creative world, you know, Mm -hmm. in television and comedians and different people who are trying to get, you know, Netflix specials or whatever it is. A lot of folks turning to that because they do allow a lot of creative freedom for their, Mm -hmm.
3: you know, directors and writers and whatnot. So, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I was just gonna say that Bianca's show was music centric. Mm -hmm. I mean, it had... Your plan was to do at least one big musical. Be two, two musical
1: two numbers. It was kind of like Flight of the Conchords meets Girls, <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I mean. also so, really comedic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Bianca's very funny. funny. Yeah. Oh, thank you. You are. Um, say well, something funny I'm <laughs> <just> now. <laughs> <laughs> funny. Funny. Yeah. Funny. <laughs> Man, that was
1: um, funny. I know. Really? I'm laughing. Um, I love when people say that was funny. Um, <laughs>
3: <laughs> I know, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> you are very funny. Man, so that was funny. Yeah, we, we had two music. We were going to do two original songs for each uh, episode. Kind of like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, if you've ever seen that show. Funny. It, they're just like silly songs, very f- like feminist, women-centric songs about what it means to be a woman in the world. Sure. Um, and playing off of that.
3: And if you want to hear some of those songs, because I'm a huge fan of this record <laughs> that they made. Oh, there's a record. Go yeah. to Spotify and look up... Zabrusso, Zabruso Z-A-B-R-U-S-O <laughs> Check out the song Busy Check out the song Sneak a Cigarette These are hilarious tunes Really important songs. You get a really Big insight To Bianca And a side project That uh, really fuels The Freddie and Francine fire <laughs> uh, You know In experience I'm dead serious I think it's the funniest thing Thank you It's really well crafted And awesome I'm gonna check it out Check
1: it
2: out So So Freddie and San- Francine projects. Mm-hmm. You're working on some new material with Dan Knoppler. Nobler. Nobler. No-bler. So
1: close. Yes. We just recorded an EP at the beginning of November with him. We did six songs and we're going to release it sometime next year. We're not sure when. We're very excited uh, about this project. It's. Um, it's a little bit different than what we've put out in the past in a really great way. Mm-hmm. And Dan is a dream guy to work with. He's one of the best guitar players I've ever heard.
2: Tell the people out there about Dan for a second. Yeah, if Dan. They don't know.
1: Dan is, um, he's worked with tons of people Rodney Crowell, Roseanne Cash. Um, he's a great engineer and has engineered tons of projects for Lake Street Dive, uh, Kelsey Walden, mm-hmm. uh, Michaela Ann. I think he produced something for her recently. He so, did that
3: whole movie. Uh, uh, he did.
1: Oh, God, no. What's the
3: one with Tom Hiddleston as uh, Hank Williams that no one liked? No. Like, I see the light <laughs> or something like that. But, I mean, he was the engineer on all of that music. Yeah. Yeah. In his words, crafting it to make it sound better than an English actor singing it. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yes.
1: he's he's. But he's really just a
3: very, like, natural uh, – he's just an amazing talent that can kind of – do things on the spot that if you were to think about them too much longer, they would just drift away. And then you go, okay, cool. That was one take. It's brilliant. Let's just do it again.
1: He's very talented and I really loved working with him. So we, yeah, we did six songs with him. And then while we were in Nashville, we wrote some tunes with our friend Robbie Hecht and Mm -hmm. uh, we recorded another song that we wrote with him uh, with our friend Jordy Lane, who's a great Australian artists. So we're, we're kind of strategizing as to how to release it all, but um, it'll be and out next year.
3: I mean, I think it's worth saying too, that Dan, Dan has been recording with Lake Street Dive too, uh, recording their latest record. And I don't necessarily think it's a direct correlation for us, but there is like a soul pop kind of thing about them that we definitely resonate with. And it's a good match in that sense, because his aesthetic sonically for those things i think there's a reason that lake street dive went with him mm-hmm. and and it just made sense for us we that we didn't even know that but that they were going to be working with him the day after we left but it makes sense so i can see that
2: connection for sure yeah and uh, he's connected as well i think to like the stray birds and caroline spence some of he's these folks that you've absolutely um do you feel like there's a community sort of being built around him is he playing a role in that like sort of unknowingly or do you think this is just kind of
1: i think so i think he's very i I think people like working with him i know um that the stray birds everyone knows him and and the reason we we ended up working with him is because we asked a few of our friends Mm -hmm. artists from nashville we said hey we want to go to nashville we want to spend like 5 days in a studio with someone. We want it to be a really chill environment and we want someone who will co-produce along with us and who has really great ideas and every person from different like groups said Dan Nobler Yes, yeah, we Straybirds, like, yeah, Straybirds, Lindsay Lou and the Lind- Flat Bellies, yeah. if
3: you know that band out not Nashville. Caroline
1: Spence said the same thing to us. And so we, we thought it was so funny. And we we're like, well, we have to work with him. Yeah. Because all these people are telling us to work with him. And we literally had a phone call with him. And then we decided we wanted to work with him from there. And we kind of based our trip in Nashville around recording and then just spending some time in Nashville with those people and mm-hmm. soaking so, up those Nashville vibes.
3: I think he's about to sort of arrive on the scene as a name that people really want to go to. And I think they should. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, after this, he will. Yeah. That's right. After our That's record. Right. who
2: So you're living in Los Angeles now. Um, do are.
3: you plan on staying there? It's a really Well, good living in L.A. is an interesting uh, statement. Yeah, you have like an A, apartment. we're on the road all the there. time. We pay yeah. rent in L.A. Also, I mean, no one really lives in L.A. in the sense that you're sort of a dead zombie if you live there. Okay. <laughs> It's just no, my, it's <laughs> that's not true. It's just my
1: commentary. Um, L. A. has been very good to us for many years, and we have family there, and um, it's been a really great place for us to exist as artists. And we've done a, we've we've tried very hard to build our community of musicians, and we've got really great places that take care of us and let us play there. Hotel Cafe being the main one where I did a great concert series with Lee last year. We put on charity shows, tribute shows for tons of artists. So I think our time is coming to an end there. Um, I've been there for 13 years. You grew up there. Yeah, born and raised. So you can tell he's a little
3: uh, (laughs) over it. Well, I've I've enjoyed many other places that I have traveled and toured to and not been able to figure out a good time to kind of get out. And so now feels good i'm a little antsy for that mm. yeah
1: so i think we'll be moving to nashville next year is the plan yeah it's close by
3: yeah she still says i think yeah
1: i don't like to commit to she's things. not completely committed because yeah. then my but mom will see this and then she'll be like what's going on yeah and then there's a family fight
3: you know, yeah we yeah. don't want that but i'm moving to nashville that's <laughs> 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 that's definitely happening you so. come stay if you want for a little while <laughs>
2: Was there ever a plan B for you guys outside of the musical world, or was it always music first? Was that always what you were about?
1: Um, I mean, yes. Yes and no. I think I tried to escape music, but music came back to me and wouldn't let me go. So I think as much as I try to escape it and try to do other things, I'm miserable when I do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, my, both of our parents are extremely supportive of what we do, and they never told me to have a plan B. Um, I just decided that was a good idea for some parts of my 20s. And uh, every time I did that, I somehow got sucked back in. So I would say if, if there were, was a plan B, um, it's, it's those moments of fear when you are afraid that you're never going to be able to sustain a living in this crazy job that we call our profession, which is being a musician, those moments of fear where I start, you know, as we joke, we Google law school or (laughs) our friend, Google's computer programming school or whatever it is. I, I I think those moments now are more fleeting, but, um, I'm, I'm happy to do this as a job now. And I, and I think I can do it. I'd like to do it for the rest of my life.
3: Yeah. I mean, the only other thing I ever wanted to be was a baseball player. And I knew very early that that wasn't going to happen. I, I think that just based on the struggle that it is for anyone who tries to do this for a life, I have wanted to quit many times. Uh, and I think that you just get yourself, I was saying this to a friend last night, you get yourself to a point where you've committed so much that even if you want to leave, you have no choice. Yeah. And, and I think that's a good thing because it is a doubtful uh, existence, but you learn to trust that new opportunities are always coming. And I, you know, I I drove trucks in LA for a long time for the film business, and it was ne- everyone was like, "Oh, you're trying to get into this, get in the union, make pension." I'm like, "No, man, I'm trying to play music, and I just need money." Yeah. So that was always my thing. Yeah. So what's ahead in 2018
2: for you guys, aside from moving, putting out new music, and uh, you know those couple little
3: things?
1: I think that's. That's it. We, we
3: Touring endlessly. T-
1: touring, Lots of touring. We're going to Canada next year, next fall. Um, we really love Canada. Uh, we played there last year, and it was so fun. And just lots of touring and hopefully some festivals. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to put out this new EP at some point. Yeah. So we're kind of figuring that out now. But hopefully it will be a fun year of touring and music.
3: Yeah, and just being open to what the move can do. And if... L.A. is a very entertainment business, like, film business-centered place. I've noticed Nashville being the music center of that, obviously. Yeah. And I think our response there from people has really been great. And I think that it's a community that's going to give us opportunities we don't even know exist yet. And I think I'm looking forward to just getting in there, opening myself to that community, playing with a lot of friends, and seeing what happens. So... that's That's really exciting it is yeah Yeah.
2: i wish you all the best of luck on your move and hope everything that you want to happen there takes place and you know it's gonna be really good for you guys thank you will you help us move sam i uh i got a guy with a truck actually i drive a car but i can get him over there
1: i'd love his info
2: yeah
3: (laughs) get him to la
2: yeah (laughs) well from everyone here at diddy tv thanks for being here today and uh best of luck in your future endeavors
1: thank you so much thanks man 92%